You're listening to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Now, on to the show. Well, welcome back to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. As always, I get excited for Mondays because it means a new podcast episode is coming out. And, you know, coming into this week, um, I am feeling excited to jump back into sitting down with guests, recording. At the time of this recording, I just came off of a family weekend away, which was a lot of fun. But if you've ever been on a family weekend away, sometimes you come home and you feel like you had so much fun, you need a vacation from your vacation. So I have have been ready to kind of rest a little bit, which I did earlier and now uh, jumped back into work, getting things back going. And so here we are, we're going to dive in and yeah, we're going to chat about fertility. We're going to chat about polycystic ovarian syndrome today. Uh, we're going to get into it. So before we, before I take away the show, because it's, I'm not the guest today, <laughs> I, I'm really excited to be introducing you to our guest. Caitlin is a fertility dietitian. She is an expert in all things PCOS. And right before I hit record, I was just mentioning to her, I came across her on Instagram. Instagram is the place where I find so many guests for this show because it's such a great window into um, perspectives on all sorts of things. You really get to know someone there, which is really unique and special in this digital age. And right away when I found her account, it's one I've been following for a while now, I've really just appreciated the practical relatability that comes with what she posts. And so I was delighted to invite her onto the show and I'm looking forward to just listening to her share on this topic, which I know she has a huge knowledge base. So with that, welcome, Caitlin. Thank you for taking the time to just sit down and yeah. chat with us. So happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, the first thing that I love to ask my guests when we start off this show is how did you arrive at this work? I know polycystic ovarian syndrome is your specialty. Did you go into being a dietitian with the goal to niche down here or did this come through your own personal journey? Yes. And yes, like I, <laughs> I think that the like Bridget Jones diary version of my story is like, I think of her, like when she hits her breakup and she's like walking down the streets of London, you know, like tripping over herself up the stairs in her flat and she's eating brownies and, you know, the world is falling apart around her. Like that was me sitting in a doctor's office after gaining 60 pounds in three months mm -hmm looking for an answer of what the heck was happening in my body because I was training for a half marathon, like running, running, running 25 miles a week running and gaining like 10 ish pounds a week. And it just didn't make sense to me. And the doctor saying, I think it might be this thing. I didn't remember what the thing was and let's do some lab work and do an ultrasound. So they drew blood. I went back the next day for an ultrasound any walked, I was still in this like plastic papery robe that I was wearing for the ultrasound because when they diagnose PCOS, they do an intravaginal ultrasound, mm. which is oh, different yes. than what you see in movies where they're like doing it on your belly, looking at the baby's heartbeat. Nope. Like your first ultrasound in pregnancy, an ultrasound that's diagnostic for most things in your uterus is actually going to be intravaginally with Wanda, what I like to call her. <laughs> um, and so I'm in this like white, you know, very uh, kind of, I can't think of the word right now, but like in a very almost exposed way, I'm sitting there 
in blows the doctor, like, yep, saw the ultrasound. You definitely have PCOS dot like no, nothing else. I was right. <laughs> it's like, well, what is PCOS? Like, I thought he was telling me I had cancer or something. I just didn't know what it was. And, um, he said, well, it's the number one reason in America, women can't have children. And I just like, it, imagine the movie, like the music shifts and the rain is pouring and it's like my whole life streams are dashed. I was 18. Like, I didn't want to be a mom right then. I wasn't married. I shouldn't have had children with the dude I was dating then anyway. So, you know, I was not looking towards that right then, but I knew someday I wanted to be a mom. And now as a practitioner working in women's health, I'm flabbergasted that that appointment could go that way and that millions of other appointments go very similarly every single day at a PCOS diagnosis where we're given some sort of unhelpful statistic instead of a description of what the condition is, why it might potentially be happening and insight into how we can partner together with the patient, myself in this case, to make a plan that's reasonable, sustainable, or goal-oriented. Like I wasn't trying to get pregnant. So talking about my fertility at that moment wasn't the thing that was going to be helpful. And uh, I mean, that just changed the course of my life. I had taken, I'd graduated high school. I was doing a Christian ministry leadership program for a couple of years. I was kind of holding off on college because I didn't know what I wanted to study. And that like indirectly sealed the deal that I was going to move towards healthcare to try and find the answers. I honestly wasn't being offered. And the appointment ended with a prescription for metformin, which I was told was a diabetes drug. And I was like, do I have diabetes? And he said, no, but take it. You need to go lose the weight you just gained. And I literally asked him like, how? I'm running 25 miles a week and I'm gaining 10 pounds a week. Like, I don't understand how this, how could I lose weight if, how do you do that? Because apparently what I'm doing isn't working. And um, he handed me birth control and said, go on birth control and that'll help your symptoms. And we'll have different medication for you when you're ready to get pregnant. And, you know, I grew up in a home where my parents didn't exercise. If we didn't like a certain food, it wasn't like it was prepared a different way to try and give us different exposures. It was like, great, you don't eat vegetables. You want to eat white food for your whole life? Waffles, mashed potatoes, you know, buttered noodles with Parmesan, go for it. Eat some fruit. You know, I, I wasn't really provided a lot of the foundational things to jump from. And I always laugh now because I'll eat just about anything. And I love all these different foods. And I was the worst eater growing up, frankly, because I just wasn't exposed to a lot. And I just, I can see in hindsight, all these different ways that A, I was maybe set up to have my genes express in a way that would develop PCOS. And also how my experiences have perfectly positioned me to love on, advocate for, educate and support women with this condition because I get it in the depths of my bones. Like I even 12 years into an education, owning my own practice, yada, yada, I still struggled for three years to get pregnant with our first child. And I remember not getting my period. And I remember getting my period and the trauma that came both sides of it. And so um, I 
I guess I always knew I wanted to niche down to directly answer your question and work with people with PCOS. I didn't expect to find myself working in infertility. Uh, naively, I guess I didn't expect I would even struggle with infertility once I started having answers for how to treat PCOS. And um, now I do it for my daughter because I have two little girls and they better never walk into a doctor's office and hear a statistic like PCOS is the number one reason in America why women can't have children. And my oldest doesn't want to be anything other than a mom when she grows up. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are so many women I work with now or have worked with in the past that that has been their highest dream. And to feel like that might not be attainable is inexcusable. Mm, yeah. Well, first of all, what a journey to kind of have to navigate yeah. through that yourself. And it sounds like a lot of it was you having to do the work to dig in, to figure it out without a whole lot of external support. Yeah. I mean, um, I was 18 in 2002 Google wasn't Google is now, you know, I'm not even sure that there was like all these WebMD type things back then. Um, there certainly wasn't a PCOS app and podcasts were just barely new on the scene. And the people that had them weren't you and me, mm -hmm. you know, they were like the big names that knew how to do technology things. Maybe they were early adopters, but there, there wasn't a whole lot of resources. And even a lot of the things that I recommend and use in my patient care now are things we've learned a lot about in the last 20 years. And so, you know, it is an exciting field to be in because we're learning more and have more tools um, to employ and help people with both naturally and with medication. I'm not um, one that you know, I'm happy that we have lots of different tools because different people need them at different times. And, um, you know, it's, I take a very patient centered approach for what's right for you right now with your goals, your needs, your labs, your whatever. Um, but there, there wasn't that person for me, but I did have help. Like I had, you know, the acupuncturist that actually nudged me towards symptothermal, um, methods of tracking my cycle. Like I didn't have somebody else offering that to me and that's not even really what she did, but she pointed me in the right direction. And I hired a few different naturopaths along the way when I found integrative medicine had so much more to offer than what my kind of Western allopathic practitioners offered me. And so, um, yes and no, a lot of it was self-learning or just digging into things. Um, and a lot of it was trial and error. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I always appreciate hearing that, that journey from each of my guests. I know it's so personal. It, it's so, uh, you know, sometimes it really comes with the, the tears and the struggle and the trauma. And I know from my, my own journey, I was diagnosed with PCOS about the same age. I think I had just turned 19 similar kind of experience of going in and just being like, something's not right. I got some period problems. And we ended up seeing two OBGYNs and they were both like walked in the door, knew exactly what they, it seemed like they knew exactly what they wanted to say. And then just sent us on our way with the, well, just come back whenever, whenever you want to have children. And I was like the, like almost like being hit by a bus for a moment there. Like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't come in for that. I came in because I, I wanted help over here and it was so confusing and overwhelming. And I remember at the time that similarly, there just weren't a lot of resources, um, and so it's just kind of amazing to see how the internet has allowed 
resources to become so much more available. Wonderful. I mean, what you've mm-hmm. talked about social media, I love it and hate it for so many different reasons. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but it has led me to a lot of learning in different areas that have benefited my life and, you know, mm-hmm. to be a voice in the forest out there to say, you know, here's a little direction when somebody's lost. I hope they come across me. I hope the algorithm gods favor people that are really offering evidence-based and practical advice because, you know, that is worth a lot. Um, But one thing you just said kind of struck me a little bit and it's not really our topic for the day, but you and I were both basically framed our diagnosis in the context of when you want to get pregnant or just so you know, it'll be hard for you to get pregnant as if a woman's value is only to bear children. (laughs) And I'm not a huge feminist by like the typical term, but um, there was an 18 year old girl who needed help in both of our situations with real needs, maybe real pain points, real symptoms, certainly was not my healthiest gaining that much weight in that period of time. And to basically be told like, here's what I have to offer now and come back when you're ready for this is if like, there isn't so much more in between that we could have been helped with. And just the simple understanding back then, if metformin is so helpful, why? Like I asked that question, why am I on a diabetes medication? It's what we have for you was the answer. It was like, either he didn't know or he didn't care to share. And um, I think a a lot of people have cautioned in over-explaining or over-educating. Keep your message simple. And I think we really underestimate women in that sense, because if we can give somebody a reason like, hey, the food you eat impacts your blood sugar, your blood sugar impacts your insulin production. Your insulin is impacting your ovary and it's making you make more testosterone we can go back up that chain and go, okay, but the top of that chain was my food choice. And so it really matters. And if we can give somebody the keys to their fertility in the sense of what you eat every single time you eat can impact this. If you can divorce yourself from how scary and weighty that sounds, but look at it from a view of very hopeful and I'm in control and I can do a lot then, it's not just about metformin and what the doctor is willing to hand me or what my insurance may or may not cover, but what I can do in my kitchen breakfast, noon, and night, that's really empowering and helping someone understand the why can be really like the difference between being sold out to the idea and taking forward progress and feeling stuck and, you know, lonely and afraid. I don't know if you've noticed over on Instagram, but I have been sharing about a brand new resource that I have available. It's a free ebook called The Condensed Guide to Getting Pregnant. And I wanted to just take a minute today to let you know that it is available for you. If you head over to my website, blissberrywellness.com and click 
the free ebook tab right there at the top. Now I have been in the fertility space for five years now, and I've noticed there are some really key things that I continually have to educate on and specific questions that I just find myself answering over and over and over again. And so in this ebook, I actually sit down and break down those top five questions, things like how to identify that you are actually ovulating, what you should focus on and when you should start seeking out extra support. And so I talk about all of these things in depth in this free ebook, and I wanna make sure that you get your copy as soon as possible. This is an amazing resource. I am so excited to share with you. So head over to my website, blissberrywellness.com and you can find it there. I feel like that's the perfect segue into what we're going to talk about today. Um, but I loved when you, you, you literally said empowered right when in my head, I thought giving people, giving women this tools and information empowers them to walk out the door, at least knowing that next step of, I need to investigate this. I need to go find maybe a provider who specializes in this or, or whatever it may be. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that's the big thing is, you know, wanting women to feel empowered. Um, I know that in our community, we see that all the time of um, just women echoing the exact same thing. You know, I've got this diagnosis, but I don't even know what it is. Um, so kind of pausing there for a minute. Um, insulin resistance, I know it's an area that you are just an expert in. Um, it's, an, it's a topic that comes up all the time in our community. Do you mind taking a minute to break down what it is and maybe the relationship there with polycystic ovarian syndrome? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, I can't tell you your insulin resistance caused your PCOS. Um, I can't tell you that your BPA exposure when you were in your mom's belly caused your PCOS. I can't tell you your genes caused your PCOS. I can't tell, you know, there's so many things I can't tell you caused it, but we know they kind of tee it up. It's almost like throw enough of those things in a bucket and eventually it overflows. We talk about that with stress a lot. PCOS is a really good example of that. And insulin is one of those things that you throw into the bucket that takes up like 80% of the bucket. It's a big piece of how severe your PCOS expresses, um, sometimes how capable you might feel to even address it. People that struggle with insulin resistance really struggle with fatigue. It's really hard to make diet changes, lifestyle changes, circadian rhythm changes, any changes when you're tired and struggling all the time. Um, so insulin resistance, because it takes up like 80% of that bucket in terms of just being a huge player in PCOS, we talk about it a lot. And I'm not going to throw a stat out, but there are some people that don't technically qualify as being insulin resistant with PCOS. And a lot of people think and discuss this as those people are the lean PCOSers, which is just a fancy way of saying in research, your BMI is not over 25. So people who are talking about lean PCOSers, that's all they're saying. And it's a stupid term, frankly, but even those with a BMI of under 25, I am finding, I think their ovary is overly sensitive to insulin and there's a signaling issue, even if their whole body isn't insulin resistant. 
So having said that, I probably really confused everyone that doesn't understand what insulin resistance <laughs> is. So I'm going to pull back and say, but the purpose of saying that is if you think you have PCOS or you already have a diagnosis of it, no matter where you fall in this spectrum of symptoms, um, lab work, this is kind of important for you to understand. And if you're trying to get pregnant, this is also just critical. Even if you don't have PCOS blood sugar balance and optimizing insulin signaling within your body makes for a very, um, much more comfortable pregnancy and lower risk pregnancy. So insulin's a hormone in your body and a hormone's a fancy word for saying it sends a message. You have lots of different hormones. Some tell you you're hungry. Some tell you you're tired. Some tell you it's time to wake up. Some tell you the lion is chasing you. You're right and run faster. They send messages and the message that insulin primarily sends is, Hey, we've got energy available. So use it. And so it's talking to a lot of different cells within your body saying energy's here, open up, use it, open up, use it. Well, when you get resistant to that message, hence the term insulin resistant. So this message is still being sent, still got a lot of this hormone pumping around and your body's saying, I'm just like, I don't want to hear the alarm this morning. I don't want to get out of bed. So the cell isn't insulin's kind of coming and touching it. It's not being grabbed by the protein that it usually attaches to. And the cell's not getting the message, the energy is available and to use it. So much of your body can become resistant to insulin. There's a few things that don't, thankfully, like red blood cells, a couple other organs and tissues, but your ovary doesn't become insulin resistant. So in polycystic ovarian syndrome, when somebody is very insulin resistant, their body starts gearing up and sending out tons of insulin. And most of the body is struggling to get that message, but your ovaries like, woo, party all this energy is available. It's like we handed them, you know, a bunch of like energy drinks or a hundred dollars to spend at Starbucks, bring all your friends and they start taking in all this energy and it kind of shifts the metabolic production within the ovary. And instead of being a primarily kind of like female hormone producing organ, it shifts the hormone production in the ovary to be more androgen dominant. A lot of us call those male hormones to make it simple. I'd like to start calling them huntress hormones because male and females have them in normal amounts, but they're, they help you be really strong. And since we have a lot of them, let's not like struggle with one more thing that makes us not feel womanly. Let's call them huntress hormones. Aviva Ram said that, and I've just, I've loved it ever since. But so your ovary starts making way more of these huntress hormones like testosterone, like, um, testosterone gets made into DHT and other cells in your body, but you have this overproduction of this and not enough estrogen. There's also some signaling that happens with the brain that gets interrupted with insulin resistance. It's kind of like more than we can go into in a 20 minute long conversation, but it's it, this whole picture with insulin resistance can cause a lot of the symptoms with PCOS. If your ovaries produce more testosterone, you can grow hair on your chin or your nipples. If your ovaries produce too much testosterone, the hair on the top of your head can fall out like male pattern baldness. Um, if your ovaries make too much testosterone, it can actually make it harder to lose weight. So when you're running 20 miles a week and you're making a lot of testosterone, this is fighting against you. Um, when these things are happening, 
other metabolic things go on too. Outside of the scope of talking about PCOS as a fertility issue, it's also making you more susceptible to fatty liver disease and cardiac issues and obesity and a lot of this kind of like metabolic syndrome picture that we talk about a lot more and that's chronic in America, you're teed up for with insulin resistance. And so addressing the insulin resistance, like at the top of the river, water flowing out over a waterfall, if we can slow the flow of the river, the waterfall kind of goes into like more of like a beautiful trickle instead of like, you know, Niagara Falls. So we're upstream there. It's like we're addressing the water flow miles before the waterfall um, when we're addressing insulin resistance. And it's a great, very easy thing to test in the labs, which is great. And it's fairly inexpensive to test for. Um, it can give us encouraging data, like three to six months after we start making changes, even if we're not seeing symptoms change, we can start seeing progress and you can impact insulin resistance with so many things that you are in control of today, which makes it a really great treatment objective, um, to like, try to find and align lifestyle changes that will impact your insulin resistance. Mm. So, yeah, so it sounds like in and of itself, insulin resistance can just wreak havoc and kind of make you feel crummy. Totally. <laughs> Fatigue. I mean, talk to somebody who sleeps a lot and yet is tired all day long. Like I hear that with PCOS women all the time. And it's, it's, that's, it's the other piece of that insulin's struggling to tell all the other cells energy is available. And so they're starving and they're tired. Like I'm hangry you know what that feels like? Like your, oh, yeah. your literal cells are doing that. No wonder you're tired. And I, one beautiful thing about this message is it kind of takes this like, oh, I just thought I like was a lazy person or you know, can take some of that. Like I've just always struggled with this part of my character. It's not a character flaw. It's a metabolic flaw. And if we can kind of take some of that guilt and shame away and peel that off, and empower someone and say, Hey, you're struggling with this. Just like if you had a broken arm and we'd put a cast on it, let's address it. Um, it, it can be really powerful. Hey friends, if you're looking to improve egg and sperm quality, then you need to check out full wells fertility booster. This powerful supplement is supercharged with antioxidants like coenzyme Q10 and N-acetylcysteine to help improve the quality of both egg and sperm. That means you only need to buy one bottle of this product and you and your significant other can both benefit from all of the nutrients it provides. Head over to fullwellfertility.com and use the code, all caps, BLISSBERRYWELLNESS at checkout to save. So speaking of addressing it, you know, um, I, I, you've mentioned the lifestyle dietary modifications, you know, a lot of times the thing that I've noticed that comes up, I, I, I always reference our community because I love pulling in, you know, things that we see being posted as questions on a regular basis. Um, and, and I'm always surprised by the number of posts we get asking, you know, are there actually like diet and lifestyle things that help this, uh, because it seems like the general consensus is that nobody really knows. A lot of times they can, just like you shared in your story, they handed the prescription, they're just told go home and do this without any other 
indication or insight. Um, but do those changes help? Do they make a difference? Oh, 1000%. And some really small changes can be really powerful. So I often try to like zoom out and go, let's look at the really big picture. And then let's look for the really low hanging fruit because somebody who has a diagnosis like this, they've been trying to conceive for two years. You know, you see a real human in front of you with real struggles and emotions and real challenges. And maybe they're working, maybe they're a nurse and they work overnights or they work a 60 hour a week job and they travel and, you know, asking them to sleep really well might be something that's really hard for them in the moment. So what else can we do? Maybe we can make, you know, Sunday's the day that you prep with your spouse or your partner. And we're making, we're focusing this week on high protein breakfast because you run through the drive through at Starbucks and get a croissant and a vanilla latte. Well, that's like terrible for insulin resistance. So how can we improve that? Well, maybe you don't have Sundays to make a change like that. So let's just change your order at Starbucks then. Like, let's find a win for you right now. And if we can start with something that not only helps them feel like, okay, yeah, I checked that box and doing something and making progress, but also impacts their energy level, it may actually trickle down to like, well, they'll sleep better tonight because their blood sugar wasn't so erratic. And they weren't chasing their blood sugar all day long and feeling hangry and, you know, their cells actually got energy. And so they're doing a better job resting and recovering overnight when we rest. So she's waking up more energized three days into it. You know, we're looking for those changes that not only are sustainable, but are something you can do today. And yes, changes like things you can do today, a diet change, like eating a higher protein breakfast. Uh, you know, I showed up to this interview. You can't see me because it sounds like it's audio only, but it was like, I could shower and look pretty for this podcast, or I could use the 30 minutes I had before it to move my body today. And I chose moving my body and hoped that you all wouldn't care. And that was a choice I made for my PCOS today, because I still have this condition. It's not curable. No matter what somebody says, it doesn't go away. It can improve. You might even be able to put it into something similar to like remission where you don't see a lot of the symptoms, but it can come back out. And so I, I make hard choices like that every single day that I know are really going to impact things like my insulin resistance, my blood sugar balance, my sleep quality. If I exercise or I get out in the sunshine during the day, I sleep better and my circadian rhythm actually really impacts my hormones and yours does too. Yeah. Getting that sun exposure. Oh my goodness. That's one of those that you really just don't think about as being a big deal, but wow. What a simple lifestyle change to just get in the sun for a little bit. Right. If you like read a devotional in the morning and drink your tea or coffee, you could do that outside and like, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Um, but one thing Hannah is that that's not really like what we've been trained to think is medicine and it's not sexy. Like telling somebody figure out how to eat 40 grams of protein at breakfast is not as appealing as buy this supplement or mm -hmm. go take Letcher's all, or, you know, like we've kind of been trained with the Western medical model to 
go to the doctor. This is the problem. Take this medicine. This should work. And um, while that may help and it could work, you, you would be much better served to also focus on the things within your control that are really foundational to your overall health anyway. Um, and so, you know, sitting outside with sun exposure on your skin or into your eyes to help with melatonin production 12 hours later, it's not, people don't want to do that. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's really, uh, you know, it, it is easier in many senses to just take a pill and hope for the best and, uh, not optimize the other things. Well, let me paint a picture for you. You wake up, you live in a hut, you have a fire that the village makes and everybody walks to the fire in the morning and you cook your food on it. And then you go to the field and you pick some things. Somebody else goes out and hunts. Somebody takes care of the babies in the village. And then somebody's making some sort of like flat bread. Um, somebody went and found a plum tree and picked some plums. And um, maybe we need to take water down to the lake to wash clothes. Like this was life a thousand years ago, right? 2000 years ago. Uh, you spent most of your day outside or near outside. There was not really glass windows then. And your eyes and your body saw the sun and were exposed to that. And when it was dark, you might have a fire, but when the fire goes out, it's bedtime. Like there, the, uh, the technological advances we've seen in the last 150 G's, the last 20 years have so impacted the way humans interact with nature, the way humans interact with one another, the way humans do their living. We have been so divorced from the rhythms humans have lived for millennia, like not just centuries, we're talking thousands of years here. It is no surprise that we're seeing a lot of trouble come up with a lot of these modern technological advances, even just outside of like how you and I are communicating and I don't even know where you live. I don't know <laughs> what state you're in or if you're even in America and we're talking right now and 20,000 people could listen to this whenever you release it. It's so different, right? And that's powerful, but we're so divorced from nature's rhythms that it's impacting our nervous systems. We don't know how to calm down. You probably are listening to this you don't even know how to sit in silence. So you're listening to a podcast. You don't know how to cook in silence. You don't know how to drive to work in silence. And I'm glad you're here. Don't get me wrong, but we are so divorced from those things. And then, you know, we just try to slap a med on it. Hmm. I, I, I don't know how to, to emphasize enough how much slow medicine we need. We need to just sit outside and watch the shadows of the tree on the ground while the sun's behind it and hear the bird chirp. Like It sounds so simple, uh, but we need to be doing more of that and calm our nervous systems down. And truly, I mean, everybody who's trying to get pregnant's heard the word relax. I mean it in such a different sense, but we need your body to stop feeling like you're in a famine 
of war or some sort of like tragedy because even though you're, you may not be in that state your body doesn't know how to interpret the hormonal signaling that's going on any differently and it's hard to devote resources to grow a baby or have optimal fertility when it feels like it's in this danger state all the time. Hmm. That's absolutely true. And I love that you just keyed in on that because I, I, I think in the last year and a half or so, I've starting to see the conversation around everything you just said erupt. And as soon as I saw it for the first time, I remember thinking that is the big piece that we're not thinking about. And it's, and I'm, I'm coming from, I'm a type A person. I'm a go do it all the time person. You know, like this is the normal for my life. I, I understand it. So I'm putting that out there for anyone who's listening. Who's like, I can't slow down. My to-do list is a mile long, but learning how to let that system shift down is such a gift to yourself, to your fertility. Um, I cannot overstate and reiterate how important that is. And and I appreciate you saying that because it's not the popular, fun, easy thing to have to navigate and do. Yeah. You showed up to this episode hoping I would tell you what supplement to take. And I'm telling you to slow your butt down. I just did a group program with 12 girls. They came in, we did one-on-ones and then we had group sessions. And the first thing I focused with them on was their evening routine and their morning routine. And I said to them, I know you paid a lot of money to be here. And I know I'm telling you to do something you already know you need to do. You're not going to be successful making the nutrition changes you need to make. You're not going to be successful doing all these other things I'm going to ask you to do if you're not sleeping well and you don't know how to turn off at night. And, And everyone was like, I mean, to the point where I was like, here's the thing this week, your phone doesn't go to bed with you in the room. One person had a need for an exception. Everybody else, that was the accountability piece. It's like something that they wanted to do, but they couldn't hold their feet to the fire and like commit to it. And I will tell you, it was one of the most successful groups I've ever had together because we started with things that were so foundational, like sleep well, because your circadian rhythm affects your hormones but it also affects your ability to choose food at 3 p.m. that's going to nourish your body. And I can tell you exactly what to do, but if you're stressed and tired and you don't have the resources already made in your fridge and ready for you, it's going to be hard to make that decision. It's also going to be hard to get up on Sunday and go grocery shopping and prep if you are tired and don't feel good. And so we need to like start with the really foundational things Uh, this group committed to it and it was one of the most successful, like three pregnancies before the program was even over a couple since just really quick turnarounds and, you know, starting it, I think they would have been like, I just paid you what to tell me to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But But it works. We're there. Uh Yeah. I mean, you know, the proof's in the pudding, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening, who has just you know, knows in the back of their head that what you're saying is, you know, that's the next step for them. Um, how do they connect with you? Where do they go to? What, what do you have currently available to offer? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, 
I've done a lot of things over the years. I've done one-on-ones. I've done groups. I have a course called Find Fertility, and that is still probably the most comprehensive way to get all the fertility support. But one thing that people started doing when they started following me was saying, like, I'm not ready to get pregnant. Or I already had my babies. And just like we started the conversation at the beginning, people are important no matter where they are in their family growth process. And so I started seeing a need for the same tone of education and empowerment on PCOS taught without the context of fertility. It's not surprising, hopefully for you all to hear that the same things that help you induce ovulation to get pregnant are similar things that are going to just help you manage your PCOS and feel great. But it's kind of nice to not have to read everything in the context of like, so that you can then time sex well and get pregnant or increase your progesterone for pregnancy, because there's other reasons you need progesterone to be made and um, sent throughout your body for your bone health when you're 80 and your heart health and your sleep quality, you know? So um, I made a huge shift a couple of years ago in not only supporting fertility, but just trying to be like a, if you have PCOS and you need support, I'm going to have your back. And what it is turning into is we developed the PCOS app and it's kind of like come consume content in the way you like to consume it. We have blog articles, we have podcasts It's and it's not, I have another podcast that's on fertility. This is just about PCOS specifically. Um, we release a new recipe every week. I've been working with a food photographer for the last 24 months and every week she's pumping out a new recipe for me. And fun fact, uh, she has PCOS and she got pregnant from my course and cooking these recipes. And so, well, and a lot of other things too, like, you know, her husband was involved, but, um, just like super exciting to see like that working. This is just so great. So the app is really a low cost way to access PCOS information. And one of my main goals with it was to curate an experience that felt comforting, that felt clean and like good. And there's not a lot of extra stuff. What I hated was saying something on Instagram, like, you know, your doctor's telling you to lose weight, but it's going to be hard to lose weight when your hormones are doing what your hormones are doing. Like, look at my story. I was gaining weight while running 20, 25 miles a week. And then the next thing that comes up is like, you know, some fit babe telling them to eat 1200 calories and do hit exercises every day. The, so it's meant to get you off the app that may feed you clickbait or feed to like your lower vanity points. I don't know. You know, you're getting the stuff that you're engaging with. This is meant to like, take you from where you are and empower you. My goal is by like this time next year, you wouldn't need to Google something about PCOS. You could just come to the app. That's the goal of the app. Um, and so I would nudge people to either hang out with me on Instagram, PCOS Fertility Nutrition, get to know me a little bit. I have a podcast too with another functional nutrition um, expert. She's a dietitian, Sophie. 
and that's food freedom fertility. And if you have PCOS and you're trying to get pregnant, we've designed two really cool supplements, um, metabolic ovary formula and antioxidant ovary formula over at PCOS formularies. Um, that was new just in the last year. And we've seen a lot of PCOS formulary babies already. So um, it's meant to kind of like take the overwhelm out of supplements. It's like five supplements in one and it's powder and pretty tasty. Um, so those are ways you can interact with me. I'm here to support you, not just take your money. So if you just want to hang out with me on Instagram, that's great. Just know if you DM me, there's somebody else hanging out in my DMs because um, I don't like mean people and sometimes mean people. <laughs> so she shields me from that for my own mental health. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So important. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll include links to all of that in the show notes below. So if you've been listening, you're ready to take the next step. And I encourage you to, to click the links below, check out all of the things that were just shared about, um, at the very least head over to Instagram, scroll some posts, do some reading, um, because you're going to just get so much good information there. Um, but, but Caitlin, thank can you I, for, can I leave yeah. with a message of hope? For yeah, people? please. So I was told PCOS is the number one reason America women can't have babies. And it's really not true for a lot of women with PCOS. If we can get you ovulating, natural pregnancy is really available. Uh, reproductive endocrinologists love PCOS patients because typically what they had to offer can help grow a family. So listening to this, I hope you hear the message that there are things you can do to impact your health, your fertility, your energy. There's a lot you can do and learn for free and get started with today. And then there's a lot of other things that you can employ like supplements or medications or even reproductive technologies. Um, and that getting pregnant with PCOS is really, really possible. And I just, I, I hate for anyone to sit in a doctor's office. Like I did thinking, okay, well then I just won't have babies. It just isn't my story. And then like you frame your whole life because of that message and that, let me give you a different message. It's so possible. And you, if you want to be a mom, you should be a mom. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it is possible. So yeah, it almost feels heavy to just sit and rest in that for a minute, you know, but it's so empowering and exciting at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think too, women with PCOS, we've felt like betrayed by our bodies. Like I shouldn't grow coarse chin hair. It should be easier to lose weight. Why won't my body just ovulate and do what it's supposed to? Like, isn't this what women are good for? Like we have this like internal dialogue that sometimes we don't even, we're not even like really aware of these subconscious thoughts that we have. We look in the mirror and we don't feel beautiful. We're struggling with acne. We don't like our body shape. Our hair is falling out. It's like this condition attacks every sense of what makes you female and because of that, not only do we feel betrayed, but it's almost like we approach our body, like, what have you done to me and how you're failing me? And if you can reframe that in your mind and think these are messages, my body's telling me that I need more support 
and you can come alongside of your body. Like take your brain and think of your brain different than your body. I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to help you because you're telling me something's wrong. And I, I hear you now. And like, if I, I, I wrote mission statements for my business a couple of years ago and what I could succinctly distill it all down to whether somebody wanted to get pregnant or not was I wanted people to love their body again or love it for the first time and stop hating it and stop treating it like it's betraying them but nourish it like it deserves Mm. yeah I love that Mm. well I think that's a wonderful note to end on for today For those of you listening, those links are in the show notes. Just scroll down wherever it is that you're um, listening to this podcast. You'll find those. Um, But with that, that's all that we have today to discuss. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode when it comes out. But with that, we'll be back soon with another great episode with another great guest. So bye for now. What is your community? I'd love to connect with you. I love connecting with each and every one of you, hearing your stories and just finding out what topics and resources would be the most helpful to you on the journey. Head over to Instagram, give me a follow. You can find me at Hannah Bowers, I-N-H-C. I've got all sorts of goodies over there from recipe tutorials to mindfulness exercises to little lifestyle hacks that are going to revolutionize your fertility. So definitely head over there so we can hang out. Now, while you're there, you should also check out my new course, the Fertility Roadmap. Now, this isn't like any other course that you're going to find on the market. This is a really special course that I have developed working with clients, supporting the 20,000 women in my community, and implementing the dietary and lifestyle strategies that I talk about personally. Now, I can tell you that there are so many different interventions out there, and it can be really overwhelming trying to identify what lifestyle shifts are actually going to support you the most with your fertility. And so in my course, the Fertility Roadmap, I'm actually breaking down some of those bigger pieces. We are spending a lot of time talking about how to shift your nervous system into a state that supports conception and pregnancy and having a beautiful baby. This is something that I discovered in my most recent or my last fertility journey that made such a difference. And so I can't wait to share these secrets, these nuggets of wisdom, these simple things you are going to go, oh my goodness, how did I not know that these could help me get pregnant? I'm going to break these down and share them with you in my course, The Fertility Roadmap. So you can find that on my website, wellness.com. <laughs>